demonstrating to teachers, school leaders, and students that we need to learn how to navigate both physical and digital realms that we live in and being able to navigate that and being able to learn, react, and uh, create action in those places is, is the future. And by doing so, that will you know make a positive impact on their lives and their communities. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Dr. Matthew Rhodes is an expert and innovator in educational technology and instructional strategy integration with online, blended, and traditional in-person classroom settings. As a practicing tech leader, trainer, integrationist, and coach in adult education, K-12, and higher education, he develops EdTech tool integrations with research-based instructional strategies that drive instruction. He also has expertise in instructing teachers and educational leaders on how to utilize data to make data-driven decisions to drive instruction, as well as has developed a data literacy curriculum for K-20 educators. Dr. Rhodes' publications focus on integrating instructional strategies with EdTech tools to amplify student learning within in-person, online, and blended learning classrooms. His latest books include Instruction Without Boundaries, Enhance Your Teaching Strategies with Technology Tools in Any Setting, Amplify Learning, A Global Collaborative, Amplifying Instructional Design, and Navigating the Toggle Term, a guide for K-12 classroom and school leaders. He also has his podcast, Navigating Education, the podcast, which discusses all topics related to education and instruction. For more information on Dr. Rhodes and his work, I'm going to be putting these links in the show notes to all his books and his website. But right off the top, his website is www.matthewrhodes.com. I'm really excited to talk to Matthew today because in just speaking to him pre-recording, he has a breadth of knowledge that's really going to help us take a look at how we support, engage, and empower leaders and teachers and even students in tech integration and the importance of that. So I'm really excited about getting this conversation going. Um, welcome, Matthew. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it uh, for, ha- for having me on and looking forward to uh, discussing these topics with you. This is, this is going to be great. And like, like I had said, there are so many different things um, across so ra- so many ranges of what you've been involved in and what you do and what you're you're an expert at. But what I'm wondering is, what are you most passionate about in education now that you've traveled all these roads? I would say that I, I am passionate about really demonstrating to teachers, school leaders, and students that we need to learn how to navigate both physical and digital realms that we live in and being able to navigate that and being able to learn, react, and uh, create action in those places is, is the future. And by doing so, that will you know make a positive impact on their lives and their communities. That's excellent. So 
Let's let's dig into that a little bit, unpack that a little bit. The idea of both physical and digital, what we've seen, obviously, recently, where we've kind of had to bridge that gap between physical and digital. First, from going full physical in a hurry to full digital, and then back to kind of a bridge between, and now we're back to full physical. I myself, and I'm sure a lot of other leaders out there, are now looking at things differently and the role technology can, can play in creating a better learning or educational environment. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that might look like or some steps that we might want to make sure we're, we're taking? Yeah, so I talk a lot about this in my first book, Navigating the Toggle Term, a guide for K-12 classroom and school leaders. And I do this in my everyday practice as essentially the instructional and tech leader within our consortium of adult schools is really setting up a number of an infrastructure of tools, starting with our learning management system and a variety of tools related to like engagement, assessment, collaboration. But then more important, we align those to instructional practices and strategies that can help students learn. So my goal is to align the strategies that I feel like that can work within in-person, online, and a blended setting. So for example, when we talk about modeling and direct instruction, we can do that in person. But at the same time, I recommend my teachers to record that five to 10 minute sequence and then put it on their LMS. Another example is using Think, Write, Pair, Share, which is a thinking routine where you can use Google Slides, Jamboard, or Pear Deck, and you can have your students think, process a scenario or problem that they need to solve, write their solution or problem solve, and then they can talk to a group of students, whether they're in person or in a breakout room, or for example, asynchronously, like for example, on Flipgrid or some other type of discussion tool. And then you can share it to the class, whether it's if you're in person, you have call a number of students or you groups, or you um, showcase maybe on a gallery walk, a digital gallery walk or something of that nature where you share their responses. So that's just an example of what I mean, is taking these strategies and tools that we can utilize in all these different settings and use them effectively for whatever setting that we're in. For example, in my daily practice, I work with teachers that teach uh, in person or they have an online class or they're, they're in a blended scenario. And for us as an organization, we want to make sure that we're building that capacity of strategies that teachers may have to teach an online class at one point, or they may teach in blended uh, learning class. Because for example, in our setting, we have English as a second language as our one of our large groups of classes where it depends on the school, but we have a blended schedule going, we have an online schedule, and then we have fully in-person. And teachers, depending on the semester, may be assigned for each of these various settings. So we have to prepare them to have that capacity built. Same thing for our career technical education classes like nursing. That's a blended setting as well as an online class. So our instructors that we prepare to teach those classes, we have to give them those set of strategies and tools that fit our, uh, our inter, uh, infrastructure as well as our learning goals that relate to what we want our students, to, the skills that, for them to build. So that's essentially what I mean by preparing the teachers and building that capacity and always having that focus is that teachers may be moving between each of these different settings. And I think that this can also apply to K-12 because teachers have a lot of places that are one-to-one. -one. A lot of places have a lot of digital learning is taking place. 
And I think that the expectation is in many places now that you provide that instruction, at least to some extent, not only in a physical classroom setting, but also, you know, whenever you have that available to them, that recorded uh, direct instruction modeling or that collaborative asynchronous activity. Or for example, I think some high schools might be shifting towards offering different classes that may not be offered at that specific site through an online course, right? A lot of there's alignment with community colleges that have online courses and they share instructors. So I think that we've, over the last couple of years, we've moved into a place where that is the reality. And I think that over time, it's going to continue to to grow. And I think where the growth is in K-12 specifically is in that secondary and middle school level where we're going to see those more options and more choice of those classroom options and those instructional options. And I think just over time, it's just, it's going to move to what districts prioritize as well as what their community wants. And I think communities want choice. And I think that by offering those choices that you're going to fulfill, you know, goals of the students, the community, as well as I think provide more opportunities for educators to uh, teach in a lot of variety of different ways. That's, I mean, you just, you just said a ton for a bunch of different levels, just to make sure I get this right when I'm, when I'm hearing what you're saying. So when you're talking about providing the structures for teachers at the, the post high school level, it's more of a necess- it's, it's necessary because that's the way things are. And you have online courses that are already built in that you have to do when there's some point they're going to need to do that. When you're talking about K-12, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up because not typically, right? We don't think about, we don't think that high schools typically offer or that as a teacher, you're going to one semester be teaching a face-to-face class and another semester you're going to be teaching online or even a hybrid class. But that's changed, as you pointed out, the trend that's that's happening. And we actually, my school, we're looking at different courses that we can offer because of that magical word choice. As we're talking about that, and as many students are are sitting in classes and without getting too much into the weeds about the state has now said for, you know, sports eligibility purposes, things like that, you can't opt to just take school online with your school at home. But even with that, there are some people that are concerned in classes face-to-face, the use of computers are, they just becoming ways to engage the students. And I mean, this opens up a whole nother conversation about pedagogy and practice and things like that. But is there, is there a real concern that we're missing out on the live instruction by trying to insert a lot of FaceTime or computer time in the classes when students are in person? I do agree that there is an extent of, you know, I don't think for every interaction or every instructional sequence, there should be, when you're in person, a technology piece. But I do think if we look at most modern work environments, there's a device present. There is... Um, you're doing most of your work on a digital device. I can't imagine most white collar positions where there's not a computer in place uh, and there's not a phone or tablet that you're constantly doing a lot of work on. So I do also think though, in a lot of different work environments is that there is that small talk, there's that collaboration where you don't are on a device. I mean, per se, that immediate time. But I do argue to those that say that, you know, there's too much, there could be too much digital. It just matters on how you're using the technology 
and the pedagogy that's associated with the technology. It's about the strategies first and foremost that help people learn, followed by the tech tool to hopefully accelerate and manifest and transform that environment so that you can do things that you can't, you know, traditionally do. And I like to use the SAMR model is good. I also like to include, oh man, the, I think it's the TQR model. I don't think I got the acronym correct on top of my head, but essentially shows like the pedagogical outcomes along with the uh, ed tech there as well. So I think that there's, it's about the strategies. And if you're not focused as an organization on the strategies or have a good alignment of strategies that, that are research-based and effective for students to learn, for example, in a collaborative manner, in a way that they can build critical thinking skills, provide opportunities for them to be creative and hopefully innovative. Like, for example, I like to think about the design thinking protocol. You can take that design thinking protocol and use a variety of different tools. Like I call this scaffolded choice. So use design thinking as basically the foundation of maybe the lab that you're working on, but then you use a lot of different types of tools to manifest that learning from that particular lab. So maybe you want to use a podcast or a video or of that phenomenon that's occurring or doing a different type of infographic or that type of work or doing both of them combined. So I think that that's kind of what we want to focus on and having that strategy basically propel where the students are going to do in terms of creating that work product. So, I mean, there's a whole other topic we could spin off this time for another show about <laughs> teaching, teaching students um, proper use of technology, right? But that aside, what are some of your thoughts on if you were to walk into a school, a K-12 school or a, or a 9-12 school, what, what are your thoughts on what that school should look like if it's a one-to-one school Tech is being integrated. Um, students are being given choice. What does that school look like? So I think that that uh, an ideal school, I think that is best suited to navigate where we're at in 2022 is a school that provides opportunities for students to learn at any time. And there's choice-based programs within your school's um, curriculum and course sequence. And there's a... Uh, partnership with the local community college and businesses that provide students opportunities to take classes that are associated with getting their high school diploma, but also something in the field or for example, uh, an internship in that of that manner. So I think that if I can go into a school, I would like to see the core programs take place at the high school at the high school physically itself. But then you offer those choice programs, which could be an online blended format through the local community college, or they can take place at the high school as well, or they're taught online, as well as just having those internships available through the community that maybe have a instructional type class that's associated with it. Like, a, uh, for example, the internships based on Canvas, where all the information is there, there's different tasks that they need to do, but they're actually at that internship and they're doing something within the community to better the community. And I think that... That to me would be an ideal nine to 12 school in the reality that we live in. Because I think if we look at just the time that I was in high school, there was not many of those partnerships available and you were stuck only with so many classes that you could take. And that certain students and many students, I think now want 
to do different things that are outside the core curriculum or take a class that's outside of the elective classes that are offered or do something that is not traditionally offered at the high school level. So that's kind of what I like to see. And then I think the technology piece that's included there is just that allowing all this to happen and doing it in a way that's, you know, pedagogically effective. Well, I, that's why one of the reasons I knew I was going to love this conversation is because you are singing my song about what you just said, how it should look. We, you know, my school personally, we're looking at um, doing what's called an innovation pathways. And that's, that's internships. That's getting students um, graduated with certificates in their business area, partnering with um, community colleges. Uh, we're expanding dual enrollment, all that stuff, but it does come with difficulties. And if they're, if we could figure out a way, because we haven't figured out a way to do this yet, we're, we're playing in the shallow end of the pool. If we could figure out a way to really incorporate that tech aspect where students could be taking the courses online, we have a couple that, that we do, but when kids really want to take a different type of elective um, and then slotting it back in with the, you know, the state numbers, because you got to check all the boxes for the state for graduation requirements, but there are ways to do it. It's just kind of muddling through. This might be the wrong way to put it. I almost feel like now that now that the pandemic hit and we were forced to do this, it's almost kind of like the Wild West where now we now we're going to try and put some put some regulations around this and make it work and find a unified way to do it clean. But so you're uh, you're you're singing my tune there. One of the things I wanted to do, I, I want to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, one of the things I want to do is talk about. So how do we support teachers in making all this happen and how do we empower them to make it all happen but uh first i just want to get a quick shout out from some of our sponsors today's podcast is brought to you by better leaders better schools who put out a great newsletter every sunday called the weekend resource this newsletter provides incredible value sharing tremendous leadership resources from across a variety of resources and i personally love the inspiring quote at the end of each weekend resource, because I can use it with my staff. Subscribe by visiting betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash weekend dash resource. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Okay, and we're back with Dr. Rhodes, and um, we just finished up a first half of this show talking about a lot of the different things that we we could do and we'd love to see done ideally. It seems that we're on the same page with a lot of this stuff. One of the things I wanted to ask is, what's it look like to get teachers engaged in this process? And you know what? I'll even broaden a little bit, not just teachers, but students too, because they're they're a key aspect. But how do we get everybody engaged in moving this forward support teachers so that it can happen and then support them to the point where they're empowered to take the, take the initiative to do these types of things, create these asynchronous opportunities, these courses online and things like that. 
Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a variety of different things that you can do, but I think first and foremost, I, I believe is that you got to keep the messaging very, very clear of our goals of what we're trying to do, which relates to utilizing a variety of different tools and strategies. So you keep the tools the same. You don't really go off and, you know, get a million different tools because that's not going to benefit you as well as strategies. You focus on maybe five to six strategies and three to five tools, including your learning management system. So keep it very consistent of what you're going to be using. And then you create you create choice in terms of the professional learning and you create it on demand. So, and then you include a very good instructional coaching program that goes along with this. So first, what I like to do is we develop fall and spring PD series, but we pay our teachers additional to go. So that is something that's really been a great incentive. And at the very end of each of our professional development series is that they are working with the coaching piece. So whether it's me or someone else, the coach, looking at after these various trainings, going into their classrooms, observing them, co-planning with them, sharing with them how to implement this and having them at the very end really fully implement what we were learning and have a work product that goes along with it. So that's kind of like the key live piece of the live PD and the live instructional coaching. So that goes hand in hand. And for example, last semester, we focused on instructional strategies related to interactive slides. So that includes um, the tools of Google Slides and we had Pear Deck, it's that add-on, and then we dabble with some Jamboard, but not a whole lot. But we focus primarily on Google Slides and really the strategies relate to think, write, pair, share, notice, wonder, a lot of thinking routines that relate to synthesizing information. And we focus on those thinking routines first and then focused on incorporating them into the Google Slides, having them first be the students and then them being the teacher within those professional development sessions. And then we went in and did the instructional coaching, seeing them incorporated in the classroom setting, whether it was in person or online. And then we discussed how it can be utilized within any setting, whether you're synchronous on Zoom or any other type of synchronous type of um, tool, as well as how does this look in person? What does this look like in a classroom using your, basically your remote as well as your projector or smart board. So we focused on that. So that's the, like I said, the live piece. And then the secondary piece is on demand. So every recording or every session was recorded and placed onto our professional development website. And they can access that whenever. And it includes tons of different templates and resources. So my my goal is to provide teachers with all the templates and things that they need to make planning really easy. So you basically just give it to them. You have hundreds of different templates to choose from and then just, you know, go ahead and then incorporate it for the content that you're teaching. So we have 30 different thinking routines that are already on the slides. We have 100, I mean, 1,200 Jamboard templates that relate to all different types of subjects. We have games that are associated with Google Slides, Google Drawings, all about 
60 different graphic organizers. So, so there's like thousands of different things that you can choose from where they just need to make a copy and then just put it into whatever they're trying to do. And they know a number of strategies that can work with that. So that's creating it. Um, an asynchronous, really easy place for them to access the training, to watch on demand, as well as just opportunities for them to grab content where they can just make a copy and just really add what they want to add to it really quickly and ensure that they're not reinventing the wheel. So you want to think about the workflow piece. Also on our website, we have a blog that we update every week that's sent out in a newsletter to every teacher in our consortium. We also have our Teacher Talk podcast where a teacher comes on pretty much bi-weekly and talks about these practices that they're doing in their class and gives an example of how it works in an ESL class or a nursing class or a computer class. And that is the empowering piece is that when you get teachers enthusiastic to talk about it and they're sending it out you know, every other week and talking about these experiences, that builds that builds the um, momentum there. So a variety of these different strategies may not work for everyone, but we're trying to grab as much as we can. I focus on 80%. There's 20% that I'm always going to probably struggle with, but if I can get 80% and especially the really enthusiastic early adopters, they may bring along some of those people that are to 20% they may not be able to reach. So ultimately that's a strategy when it comes down to our professional learning and capacity building. And that's our program really, you know, moving forward. And, and I didn't talk a lot about the coaching piece, but I think the coaching piece is, is probably the most important piece because you're building a relationship with that teacher or that department. And as a coach, if you can do it in front of a live students in that class, whether it's in person, online, et cetera, then you build that rapport and build that relationship and know, and also just, you know, demonstrate, hey, you're going to mess up sometimes and you learn from those mistakes. So that's what I like to do. And I think that it's um, definitely moving us in the right direction. And, that, and, I, and I think that for schools and districts, you got to provide some sort of models that look like that, that you're, you're, you have to create that choice. You got to make it easier on teachers. You got to have teacher agency involved and you have to have instructional coaching. It just comes down to that. And if you invest in those things, then over time, then you're going to see some really good capacity building and you're not going to burn people out in the process. I am so glad I asked that question. <laughs> you basically just like laid out professional development. Just to go back to make sure that everybody's catching this because you really did just run like a 10-minute masterclass on what people can do to help integrate tech into their into their schools in a meaningful way. The the first thing I heard was the consistent message. And then the next most important thing I heard was low entry point for everyone. Um, everybody has a different entry point. And then I, I the workflow piece is important. I mean, it's nice to talk about something, but when you get bogged down in something, it's more work to implement it than, I mean, just a, a quick story. I remember being in college and this might date me a little bit, but I remember, you know, my... My roommate having one of the first apples. I don't know if it was like the 2E or whatever, but um, he insisted on, I'm, I'm techie now, so I'm going to do everything on this computer. And I'm, I'm sitting there writing things out, taking far less time. It was just highly inefficient. And so if we're not keeping that workflow piece in that you mentioned, um, it becomes inefficient and people aren't going to buy into it. But um, 
two really, really neat things that you mentioned. That blog and the newsletter kind of as an ongoing conversation, I see that as to help people out, but also that teacher talk podcast. How awesome is that? Like, we do shout outs and, you know, leaders do shout outs and talk about what teachers are doing. And I'm, I'm a fairly large school. So it's nice during faculty meetings, we start every faculty meeting with shout outs so that the teachers can hear what other, what their colleagues are doing that they might not know about. And the idea that you do a podcast where the teachers are actually doing that, that then lives asynchronously, that's accessible anytime. That's just really, that's, that's really sharp that you guys do that. You talked about creating choice and instructional coaching as the two non-negotiables for doing stuff like this. You also mentioned over time. A lot of people try to rush into things. Sometimes I do that. That's one of my things that I sometimes fall victim to. What kind of timeline are you talking for stuff like this? Well, I focus on, like I said, the, the live PD sequence that we're focusing on for a semester. And then we do another one the second semester. And a lot of it is very, very similar and builds on a little bit of what we talked about. But I, I like to look at it as a year of just focusing on this year. We focused on active learning strategies that focus on integrating with Google Slides. I mean, that was kind of like the big theme of the school year. And then next year, we're focusing on active learning and differentiation. We're going to throw a little bit more Canvas work there because some of the teams that we're working with have really begun utilizing Canvas more. And we've moved from 80% to 100% of Canvas use. So we got to include some Canvas stuff in there as well. So. That's fantastic. Thanks for explaining that. I, we, we're getting to the end of the podcast, and I, I ask every guest two questions to, to finish up the podcast with. The first one is, if you were not an educator, who, not what would you be? Yeah, that's a really good question. I could be honest with you is that I didn't think I was going to be an educator. I got my degree in political science, and I went to law school for a semester, and then I dropped out, and I went into education. So I can tell you that I was wrong the first time, but I was, is probably the best thing I was ever wrong with in my life. So um, I would say that I like to work on things that, I don't know, like research and development, I think would be really interesting. I love researching and I like collaborating and building things with people that could possibly, um, you know, affect people's lives in a positive manner. So something in R&D, I don't know what it could be, could be with technology, could be I don't know, essentially with whatever, but I I really like the research and design and development piece. That's cool. So what is it, what is it that draws you to education and working with other human beings as it were? Yeah. So I I like building relationships with people and learning about who they are, where they come from, what they want to become and seeing them learn and, and, and make an impact themselves makes, you know, brings joy into my life. And, and that's my why is that making that impact. It's all about, you know, impacting yourself positively and your family and the community. And if we can do that, then, you know, you know, that in your little um, part of the world, you know, you're, you're, you're making that impact. And, you know, that's, that's definitely what makes me feel good. That's really cool. So what's the most important piece of advice you could give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they lead? I think as a leader in today's world is think less is more, always be a lifelong learner, and know that the world is changing faster than we all realize, and to always be 
on your toes of what could be next and not really to fall into what maybe would be next, but to prepare yourself to navigate what that next thing could be because you never know what that next thing could be because it could be something that has changed the world. That's a fantastic answer. Keep your, keep your eyes and ears and especially your mind open to learning new things. So good deal. Hey, you know, I've really enjoyed talking with you today. I'm going to link all your books up in the show notes so that people can do that. Your website, you just, you just have a ton of good things and, and the resources that you offer people are vast. So if somebody did want to reach out to you and get in touch with you, what's the best way they could do that? I'd say just on Twitter, uh, send me a, a direct message at Matt Rhodes 1990 and definitely we can connect there or tag me in a tweet. Would love to connect with uh, you and uh, learn more about what you're trying to do and how we can work together. Awesome. Well, thanks. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Christopher. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. 